The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Luke 3, verse 21 through 37. If you're all there, say yes. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I'm well pleased. Let's all say that together. You are my beloved Son, in you I'm well pleased. Verse 23. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. Being was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, the son of Melech, the son of Janna, the son of Joseph, the son of Jesus, help me right now. <laughs> I can hardly read, so when you get to genealogies, I just sometimes pray in tongues. The son of, 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 not that the names are important, they're very important. The son of, 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 hallelujah. The son of Lamech, verse 37. The son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Canaan the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Father, thank you so much for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praise God. So how come you didn't read those? Because I would have stumbled you in my horrific... <laughs> ...attempt at expressing those names, which are very important. In fact, genealogies are amazing throughout Scripture. And the genealogy of Jesus, of course, is crucial to his Messiahship. But in my mispronouncing of the names, I didn't want to stumble you and you wouldn't hear what I really wanted to say, what I really wanted, well, I feel the Lord wanted to say to us tonight. As human beings, there is something that we all need. You're like, no, duh, air. Good, air. That would be something we all need. Yes, it's true. You need air. How many of you know you need air? Great. How many of you know you need food? You need food. You need food. You need water. You need shelter, especially if you live in Alaska. Right now, you need vitamin D3. Amen? Amen. Vitamin D3. All right, for all of you newbies. I just moved up here, vitamin D3, not just vitamin D, D3. Yes. You need that because the population is greatly depleted in vitamin D as there is about 15 minutes of sun this time of year. <laughs> yes, we need all of those things, but what you see in this text is what I want to refer to as our need. We all need affirmation. Every, every single one of us here need to be affirmed. And it's fascinating, this text. You see Jesus, you see what he, what he came to do, and you see his affirmation. 
You know, many people are in bondage to false identity and not knowing who they are. We tried to take care of some of that this morning. If you missed this morning's message, you can get it on podcast. In the next few days, it'll be up. You can connect to the podcast by going to the website, kcalaska.com. It'll also be on YouTube, and you can see it there as well. I see five things here in the text. Five things we see. He's fully man, and he's in the legal standing as king. And that's what the, all those son ofs is about. Son of, son of, son of, all the names I couldn't pronounce. They're important because it proves that he basically is in legal standing as king and fully man. There's two other genealogies, one in Matthew and the other in Luke. And if you compare them, they're quite different. One is a, is a lineage of Mary, the other is Joseph. But Jesus is king, seen as king through both lines. And that's why it's important to note that. Of course, none of the gene pool being passed on from the father because, uh, of course, he was the son of God and Mary being a virgin. But still, coming from the lineage of Joseph, tying all the way back to Bethlehem and David, He's fully man. He's fully God. We see that he's 30 years old when he began his ministry. And that's interesting because priests weren't to, to start their ministry until they were 30. And he, of course, is the great high priest who started his ministry at 30. So why didn't he start earlier? Now, you read some nonsense and in, um, in some of the Gnostic Gospels. You'll, you'll hear about the lost Gospels of Jesus. It's all a bunch of bunk. All of that's a bunch of bunk. That's why it's not in the, in the what we hold as the canon of Scripture. In fact, uh, early on in my walk with Jesus, I heard about, you know, the Gospel of Thomas or something. And there's a number of them. And uh, my pastor said, well, your reason you, you know it's not the Word of God is, is many reasons. Of course, he talked about the canonization of Scripture. And if you want to read a book called The Parch Parchment and the, the Scrolls and the Parchment, and there's lots of books of textual criticism, and you really want to get into why you are holding the Word of God and why it is the Word of God, you can just go ahead and, and go for it and become a real scholar and study that. And it is amazing. But he said, you can study that. And he suggested books to me. He said, but, but Daniel, try this. Go find one of those and read it and, and pull it out. And, and you could even ask God, say, God, if this is your word, would you bless it and speak to me? And you open up any one of those lost books, which are not lost at all. They're all Gnostic writers. And you could open up and, and read it. And it just does not hit you in the spirit like this does. And you can read it, it's just like, oh, that doesn't feel right. You can sense your spirit will bear witness to it not being the Word of God. And of course, there's other reasons besides that. He was 30 years old. Why didn't he start earlier? And the reason I mentioned the Gnostic Gospels is because they say he did start earlier. They say he made little wooden birds and made them fly around and did all kinds of things to his mother. And... After the age of 12, you don't hear about Joseph ever again. His father, you don't hear about him. His, his earthly father. Because he was his stepdad, kind of. You don't hear about him. And I believe he's not mentioned because he died. And 
I think that Jesus probably took up the role of, of providing for the family in the family business. And it doesn't really talk about it. You'll say someone, well, he went off to India, became a yogi. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> but I think he was responsible for his family. And I think he worked as a carpenter. And, and going into the ministry at 30, he identified with the Levites and who began their work at 30, as I said. And he came to identify with fallen mankind. Why did he come to identify with fallen mankind? Well, to save them. He came to save them. And Jesus goes to John, John the Baptist. That doesn't mean he was a Baptist. I mean, this is what we call him, John the Baptist, you know. And he goes to be baptized, and it's a baptism of repentance. He said, well, Jesus never sinned, so... I know that somebody wants to try to catch me on this one. <laughs> if he's God, and he never sinned, why did he do a baptism of repentance? <laughs> well, that's easy. He did it to model what is fitting. Of course, he never sinned, but he was, he was going to take the place of sinful mankind and... And it said, it says in Matthew, it records the answer. Jesus said, let it be so for now to fulfill all righteousness. Why? Because Jesus came to identify with fallen mankind. And baptism is a command. You must be baptized. He became sin for us. He provided a way for his wrath, the wrath of God to be averted. He became a propitiation. It's the, a propitiation is the word to a, a version of wrath. And he became a propitiation for our sin. He became a ransom for us. At the cross, his death and his resurrection. It's interesting that he prayed showing his dependence on the Father. He said, and, and I think that's important. It's important to see that this fully God, fully man still prayed. How many of you know if the Son of God, fully God, fully man prayed, probably be a good idea for us to have a prayer uh, lifestyle. Amen. He's seen as God for his baptism. God as Trinity is revealed. This is awesome. When you see that he's baptized, you see the Son of God standing there the heavens open and the Holy Spirit, like a dove. Everybody say, like a dove. I mean, the Holy Spirit is a, is a picture. I mean, pardon me, the, the dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is not a dove. Okay, so it's, it's, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Interesting that Middle Eastern doves have nine main wing feathers that all point to the head. How many gifts are there? There's nine. There's five main tail feathers that keep the dove balanced. The five-fold ministry, the gifts of the Spirit all pointing to the head. It's, it's interesting that Middle Eastern doves, they'll come to you and if you scare it off, it'll return even two more times. So a total of three times you can scare off a Middle Eastern dove. It will not come back the fourth time. It's interesting that God chose a dove. 
But it's a picture of the Trinity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father speaking from, he from heaven. I had you repeat the text. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father speaking from heaven. The Son is standing there being baptized and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, comes down. The three-in-one God. And this section this says, you are my son. Why would God do that? My daughter had a friend over uh, just recently, and um, they spent some time together. And the girl's exemplary. Well-behaved, tremendous manners, loves God. Not a bad thing came out of her mouth, not once. It just, it, there was just something about her. That, I mean, she's just, she loves the Lord. And she has character. She's 17 years old. She's, God's going to do something with that girl. And um, as we were riding in our truck, I thought, you know something? We're calling your parents. She's like, oh, you are? Yeah, we're going to call your parents. Why, why, you know, yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, sure, pastor, you can call my parents. I said, we're going to call your parents because we're going to tell them what an exemplary young lady you are. And so we did. We called. And, and uh, how many of you would like to get that phone call? I mean, isn't that not you get a phone call and uh, that, that somebody called to say that your kids are f tremendous? And uh, I could just hear the, the satisfaction in the parents' voice as we just spent 10 seconds on the phone to say thank you for, for doing a good job of raising your child because it's working. It's... The Heavenly Father says, you are my son. That speaks volumes. It speaks volumes to us. And many have read this many times over and you miss it. Some are raised in families where you never hear, son, you're the son I always wanted. You never hear, you might not ever hear it in your family that, that as a daughter that you were precious, that you were a princess. Maybe you never heard that, but you can hear it tonight from God. You might not have ever heard, if you grew up in a family where your father put his arm around you and he grabbed you and he told you, son, I love you. You can do it. I'm proud of you. And you're growing up in a family that's got a lot right. Affirmation over children. Because I will tell you, if we were to peel the veneer back of some of the adults that are here, you'd find that they never heard that from their parents. And I will tell you that every single person, no matter your age, needs to hear tonight. You are my son. You are my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. The wounds that come to young men. I counsel them. I counsel with 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds who sit in my office and tell me, I never heard my father tell me he loves me. It's wrong. They say, well, I'm not really affectionate. We'll change. I'm not like that. Change. God's like that. If my father wasn't like that, or look, maybe you don't have a father. Maybe you don't know who your father is or, or who your mother is. The beautiful thing tonight, and it seems that God's sort of on a theme here as we move in these two weeks. 
The beautiful thing tonight is even if your father wasn't there for you and your mother wasn't there for you and you never heard affirmation over you, you can hear it tonight from God himself. That's why I love that song that Pastor Alex led for us. Maybe you never felt loved or appreciated, was never expressed. And I am convinced that many mental problems are tied to not being affirmed. People get involved in things they never should because of people leading them astray because the people leading them astray affirm them. We talked about cults, I think, last, last week, the seven characters of a cult, a Christian cult specifically, picking on the Moonies that are running around town trying to get money from people. Anybody run into any, any of them this week? Yeah. Yeah, don't give them your money. Tell them Jesus loves them. Tell them they're a part of a cult. I'm carrying paperwork. I just want to run into them one more time so I can just give them a little study and then pray for them again. But people get involved in things because they're affirmed. And that is what happens with them. They, they speak life to them and say, hey, you know, we're going to train. You're going to do something great in the planet. And, and they begin to, to, to comfort them and affirm them and tell them that they're chosen. How you are affirmed affects your identity. So the father affirmation of his son, you are my son as a father, the heavenly father talking to his, talking to Jesus, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. That brings about tremendous impact. In fact, I see three things here. Number one, whose approval are you seeking? Oh, snap. What? What did you say? Whose approval are you really looking for? I've told this story. It's, I don't think Minister Chris heard it, so I'm sure you'll get a kick out of it. I, coming up, you know, I, I didn't really feel like I had my father's approval. Parents divorced, all of that. And so I got saved. I was a part of our church, and I began to serve. Diligent. Wouldn't miss any services. I was involved in everything I could get a hold of. I thought, what else would it? This is like the, the biggest party in town. I mean, plug me in. There wasn't anything we ever missed. We missed one Sunday service in like, I don't know, 10 years because we just, one Sunday night, we wanted to go to the beach. Went to the beach. It was the most horrible beach experience I ever had. And the power of God hit the church Sunday night. And I wasn't there. I thought, I'm never doing that again. That was stupid. <laughs> go to sit at the beach. All the while I'm sitting there. I wonder what worship songs are saying. I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Oh, sure is beautiful out. Yeah. I wonder if so-and-so came to church. Yeah, I know what you think. <laughs> And in my being raised up, I finally had the opportunity to preach. I mean, I had waited years. I served as a small group leader for years and had the opportunity to preach at a men's meeting. I'll never forget it. I fasted, I prayed, and I was going to preach in front of Dr. Morocco, who I esteemed not as much as God, but maybe just below that. No, there was really, I was, it was a little bit unhealthy, but I, I really put him in a place. He became my father. He is my spiritual father, but there was a place that was a little bit unhealthy where I was looking for something from him that only God could give me. And so I preached, and I, I, I never forget it. I preached on Joaquin and Boaz and the two pillars in the front of Solomon's temple. I preached my brains out. I felt the fire of God. I saw Dr. Morocco taking notes. Come on, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
And when I saw him taking notes, I really got lit. I'm like, that's it. I'm the next associate. I'm just really, I was like, I was pumped. I'm like, finally, God, finally. I was just 30 something years old. I had it all worked out. Jesus was 30. I'm just 30. Yes. Be the new senior apostle. And afterward, you know, I had some people say, dude, you lit it up. I'm like, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so Dr. Morocco never said anything to me, but I'm sure he wanted to. He just got busy. So I, I went back to his office and I, I remember knocking on the door and, uh, he said, come in. So I, I, un, I undo his office door and I stuck my head in. I said, what's up, pastor? He's all, what do you need? I said, just wanted to say what's up. And he's like, okay. And he puts his head back down and he keeps studying. I'm like, you know, it's just like somebody popped my tire. I closed the door and I just like depressed. I mean, I just had like this depression come over me because what I wanted him to do was say, oh, my, where, uh, where, where? I have, I have never in all of my ministry days seen anything. Come here. Come here. Where's my sword? Let me dub you the next night. You know, I'm, I'm looking for him to do something like that. And he just looked at me and said, it's like, he didn't say anything. It's amazing how he had an ability to minister to, to us men and, and all of the pastors. I mean, many of the pastors that are on our staff or became pastors and on staff since, well, just like you guys when they were young, came out in their early 20s. And he had the ability to be what he needed to be to each of us so that God would heal us in such a way, especially in the wounds of our fathers. And, and many of us had that. And when he didn't say anything to me and I shut the door, I walked away and I began to weep. And then I, the Lord spoke to me like a thunderbolt and said, son, did you preach what I told you to preach? I said, yeah, I did. He said, then whose approval are you actually looking for? And I thought, oh, that's, that's, not, that's that man-pleasing thing. <laughs> Oh, God. See, some of you are not living for God. Actually, you're living for somebody else. You're living for the approval of somebody else. And that's a painful place to be. Many of you are seeking approval in the wrong place. And Jesus points us to move beyond the approval of man, but to seek the approval of God. Oh, you can fast so that everybody knows it. You can communicate in a way so that you get sympathy. You can act and behave in such a way that you get people to, you manipulate through your emotions. <laughs> I'm not looking at anybody in particular. You can do things to to get the accolade, you can do things to get the applaud, you can do things to ingratiate yourself, you can do things and live in such a way that's constantly seeking the approval of man. And I will tell you, it is one empty, painful life. The Apostle Paul in, in Galatians, and you can turn there, Galatians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul saw his life as live for God's approval. Galatians 1 and 10 reads, 
Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Uh-oh. You know, I enjoy being your pastor. I more than enjoy it. It's the greatest honor of my life is to be a God's, you know, an heir of Christ and to be seated in heavenly places, to be, to be washed, to be cleansed, to be on my way to heaven yet, but to be left here in a brief moment called life, but a vapor and have the tremendous joy of being able to minister to you the word of God. It's, the, it's a huge honor for me. I'm not doing it for you. <laughs> I don't do what I do for your approval. And I feel your love. I'm thankful for that. I, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm, I'm obeying God. I would do something else if he had me do something else. But he called me to do what I'm doing. I've, I've, I've got an office. I've got a mandate. I'm on, I'm, I've got a divine assignment from heaven. I've been sent here. I'm a, I'm a man with a vision and a purpose. And, and so should you be. And my orders come from the throne, and I'm submitted under authority, yes. But there will be people that just don't like you because you're white. They don't like you because you're black or you're Spanish, or they don't like the way that you preach. They don't like the clothes that you wear. They don't like where you come from or what you're all about. And can I tell you something? Don't let the door hit you too hard on the way out. That's how you should have your heart. <laughs> that sounds a little bitter. <laughs> Maybe I need healing. Jesus. <laughs> Let me say it differently. If people don't like you, well, we're not in it for a popularity contest. I remember a number of years ago, we started the church in New Zealand many years ago. And Pastor Phil Morocco took over that work. He left Kauai, and I was there with him on the island of Kauai. And I took over his church, was pastoring two churches, was just before we came up here, and he went to New Zealand. We went down to New Zealand. He started the work and began to gather. People began to come. I think there were about 50 people strong. Dr. Morocco flew down to do to host a, a membership, a real membership class. We, we do the same class here. Teaches on church history. It's about a three-hour class. And at the end of that time, he calls for a commitment. He called for a commitment from the people of New Zealand that were part of our church. Will you covenant in the vision that God's given us? Will you be a part of this thing? And not one person said that they're committed. Not one. They just wanted to have a place to go on a Sunday morning. They didn't want to commit to giving, didn't want to commit to tithing, didn't want to commit to praying, didn't want to commit to being a part of the vision. And I will never forget Dr. Morocco coming back from that meeting and he said this, in a staff meeting, I was on the phone. He said, everybody listen to me. Will you do the right thing? Always do the right thing. If people don't like it, they can stick it. I'm not sure what stick it means. But the point is, is you live for God's approval. And if somebody doesn't like you, well, there's lots of people that don't like you. In fact, statistically, only two or three people really like us anyway. Right. Only two or three. It's a joke. Everybody say, I'm living for God. I'm living for God. And what we did with that extension is we closed it. 
Because if there's nobody that's committed and nobody, nobody's going to commit, there's no covenant relationship, nobody wants to tithe, nobody wants to pray, well, what are we doing? And we said, well, um, you know, we'll have our final service and we'll, we'll stop. There was tons of churches and all of them came from other churches because they were disgruntled with the church that they came from. And it was a group of people that were disgruntled and... And I'm sure there's some other facts there, but the Apostle Paul saw his life as trying to please God. I enjoy being your pastor, and I never want to offend you. But what I'm doing is I'm endeavoring to obey God and to please Him. Do you know that's what we should do? And, you know, there's circumstances that comes up where we get our egos wounded. I mean, we're all, we're all human beings. The only, only God's commendation truly counts in the end. Let me read this to you. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 17. Let him who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Do you know there will be people that are commended by man and they're not commended by God? That's happening in this day and age now. We've got people in office that man has placed there. Of course, God has allowed it, but they don't have God's stamp of approval. How do we know that? Because God has a way of loving him, and it's on his terms. If you, when you love God, you'll obey his word. If you're not obeying his word, then that means you don't love him. It's pretty simple. No matter what kind of goosebumps or chicken skin or your hair stands on end, it doesn't matter. All that stuff doesn't matter. What matters, if you really love him, you'll obey, you're obeying him, you're living for him. Amen. I think I got an amen from Brother Jim in the back right there. Can you say amen? amen? To have God's approval, we must humble ourselves. Jesus came to John. It's a picture of humbling ourselves. Here's the Son of God comes to his cousin. That's who John was. And he humbles himself. James 4, 6, quoting Proverbs 3, 34, it reads, But he gives us more grace... That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you want God's approval, you're going to have to humble yourself. Why did God affirm Jesus at his baptism? Because he was elevating him for his humility to be baptized in identification of sinful man. That's what I believe. I believe that God the Father was saying, that's it. That's my son. And everybody there going, whoa. When you humble yourself, God will bless you. You're ever in a, in a conflict or in strife, just go low. Eat carpet, eat dirt, be the one that repents, be the one that gives, be the one that takes it on the chin. Some of you are in the seminary of Saul. It can really train you well if you, if you let it. What can we do to have God's approval? Well, receive his gift of salvation. That's the first thing. Repent of your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus. Amen. The second thing is to offer yourself totally to him. Offer yourself what? Totally, completely to him. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship or service. You see, when you realize all that Jesus has done for you, for me, when you realize all that he's done for you personally, then it'll, it'll produce in you wholehearted obedience. 
and service unto him. You want God's commendation. You want God's approval. You want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to hear, well, what happened? No, you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to hear, well, I gave you my spirit. I gave you my word. What happened? <laughs> renew your mind. How do, you, how do you get God's commendation? You renew your mind with the word. Romans 12, 2, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your, of your mind. Flip me that water bottle right there, dear brother. Okay. Thank you. Here's a water bottle. It is being conformed to the plastic. If I pop the top, it's no longer being conformed to the plastic. It's now being conformed to the, to the floor and the carpet. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. The world has a way of thinking, has a way of living, has a way of, has a way of acting, a way of talking. And the Bible says, don't be like that anymore. Be transformed, metamorpho, be um, uh, 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 a, what is it, an inchworm, not an inchworm, what is it, a caterpillar, I got it, I got it, thanks, John. A caterpillar is transformed or goes through the process of metamorphosis and becomes a butterfly. You are saved the moment you pray and receive Jesus, but the transformation of your mind happens by studying the word, memorizing the word, by changing your thought patterns. When you say things like, I can't, well, that's not what God's word says. God says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Can you say amen? And many people, many people don't conform, many people don't ever get discipled. They never renew their mind. Jesus comes to live on the inside of you, but you still have your mind, your will, and your emotions. You remember that the Christmas that your brother smashed the boat that you got. And the wounds that that brought, that was the boat you always wanted, and your parents got it for you. And there it was, and when they weren't looking, it's like, eh, smashed your boat, and it was just traumatic. Or you remember clearly how your father didn't embrace you or how he came home in a drunken rage or how he was never around or the parents divorce and all of those things and you've got to renew your mind and God will take away the pain and take away the sting you've got to come to understand who you are in God if you never understand who you are in God you think your identity is tied to the way that you look you think your identity is tied to your education or the lack thereof You'll think your identity and your self-worth comes from the things that you've done or the things that you haven't done. And none of your identity comes from any of that. All of that is fruit of what you really believe about yourself. See, I remember when I was a kid watching the royal family and the, watching these two little boys who aren't so little now. I watched those little kids carry themselves like they were royalty. Man, they were dressed like royalty. They looked like royalty. They didn't so much act like royalty as they got older, but there's something about somebody who knows who they are. They walk with their head high. They know that, that they're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I preached it this morning. But if you don't know who you are, then you'll cow down and walk in shame and a lack of confidence and, and yield to 
the voice of people and you'll look for a pat on the back. When God offers his commendation to you, if you'll just humble yourself and live for him. But you've got to renew your mind. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Literally, God's will is what he approves. And if you live by God's word, your life will have, in, have approval. Gosh, that's so good. God approves his will. He approves his will. So when you do his will, he approves. When you don't do his will, well, you don't get his stamp of approval. So if you want the good favor, you, listen, favor, favor comes when the favor of God, everybody say the favor of God. The favor of God comes when you have God's approval. When God's hand of, of, of commendation, approval is on you, you'll have favor everywhere you go. I mean everything from stores to the businesses. I mean, you just have favor. It's just everywhere you go, you get the right deal, you get the right price, you're at the right place at the right time. It's just over and over and over and over. And it's God just saying, I approve. Way to go. Here's another blessing, by the way, my son in whom I'm well pleased. Oh, hey. Awesome. Let me bless you with this. Oh, here's some parking so you don't have to walk all the way across the parking lot. Oh, let me, let me, it's just like God sends his, his host to set you up everywhere that you go because you're living for him and you're in the will of God. And when you're in the will of God, he puts an approval on you, which is favor. And you'll see favor in your life. If you don't live for him, you won't have favor. You'll have a broken heart. You'll walk around wondering where the blessing is, wonder why God puts his blessing on something some people, but not on you. Of course, you're not willing to do what he, his word. You're not willing to obey him. So you wonder where the power is. You wonder where the favor is. You're broken most of the time. You're in anxiety. You're worrying about money because you refuse to tithe. You, you're, you're, you're just out there like a kite without a string. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Pardon me, Genesis 4, 6. I made my children memorize this. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Hannah, you remember this? Hannah Bracken, do you remember the scripture? Just nod yes if you do. Would, do you want to come quote it for us, sweetheart? No, okay. Genesis 4. Verse 6 and 7. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Very simple. He says to Cain, who murdered his brother, thereafter... He says, hey, dude, what are you upset about? There are some people that are angry at God, but they never did it God's way. They wonder where the favor is, wonder where the blessing is, but they're not really living for God. And then like, Lord, do you even love me? He's like, give me a break. Yeah. Am I supposed to endorse that which is not my will? And that's what they want him to do. How come you don't bless me? He's like, well, um, you know, you're doing drugs and you're fornicating. I mean, I can't bless that. You're lying. You're filled with deceit. I want to heal you. You've got to come to me. You've got to repent. And I'll bless you. Are you guys tired? Is it hot in here? There's people that are angry. 
And really, they're angry because things haven't gone their way. Little babies. Well, let's move on to the next scripture. 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. One, uh, a what? One approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. <laughs> you know, I, I commend you tonight. You came to church. Come on, I'm not preaching from the frontiersman tonight. Preaching from the word of God. You came to hear the word. You came for worship. You came to love him and to have fellowship. And, and you know, we're almost done. All of us need God's approval. Every one of us. Live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Choose to affirm others. Choose to affirm others. Give honor. Men, honor your wives. Love your wives. Open doors for them. Chivalry is not dead. Open doors. Love them. Get them flowers. Bless them. Take care of them. Get your face out of your smartphone, your eye tablet, or whatever it is, and tell them how pretty their hair is. By the way, men, you should never tell another, if you're, especially if you're married, you should never tell another woman that she looks beautiful. Guys, let me just help you. Let me help you. Listen to me right now. All men, don't tell, all men, don't tell another man's wife that she looks beautiful. Ever. And for those of you that are married, that's for a single guy. Don't don't do that. Those of you that are married, I, I've seen married men standing next to their wives, and here comes somebody who's worked well on her hair and she's looking pretty and ready and all of that. And he says, Wow, you look really beautiful tonight. And the wife's like, she hadn't heard that in 15 years. Save those words for your wife. Amen. 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 And all the ladies said, Amen. Amen. But it's important to speak like, you know, men are funny. You know, I, I've found myself uh, not so conscious of it, but it, I'm going to brag on myself. And, and <laughs> men are just like this a little bit. I work out at home, and sometimes I work out, I'll just get a, you know, I get really pumped, and I'm working out hard, and I'll just walk in the kitchen, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and my wife's usual response is, don't touch me. Don't touch me. She doesn't want to get any sweat on her, you know, don't, don't touch me. And she goes, yeah, you're a stud. I go, thank you, praise God. Just walk off. You know why men, you know what it is? Men are like the Lord. God inhabits the praises of his people. When you start bragging on your man, he just walks taller, walks bigger, walks stronger. There's just something like this, right? You know, that's right. <laughs> Women need to be told the same thing. We're talking about affirmation. You need to do it with your children. You need to do it with your husband. You need to do it with your, do it with your wife. And that doesn't sound right. Jesus, help me. You need to affirm each other. <laughs> help me right now. Come 
on, you need to affirm. Piano, run, do something. All right. Affirmation. Everybody say affirmation. Need to respect. That's that's classic right there. Affirm one another. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Be affirmed by God tonight. And speak life, speak affirmation to your loved ones. And if I haven't told you lately, I deeply appreciate you. My wife and I appreciate you. The countless hours of volunteer work that you do, your faithfulness in your giving and your tithing and your praying. We deeply appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. All of my staff. Minister Chris, thank you. Left everything, moved up here in faith. Pastor Alex, Sister Betzel, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for serving. My beautiful wife that puts up with me, my shenanigans, thank you. My son, thank you. Hannah. be hard to have me as a dad, I think. A little challenging at times. Thanks, sweetheart. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for living right and for loving God. Because if you all didn't, talking to my children, if you didn't live for God, I couldn't pastor this church. So thank you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say thank you. Come on, say thank you. Say thank you for serving. Those of you online, thank you. Husbands, look at your wives and say, you look beautiful tonight. Wives, look at your husbands and say, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. And uh, how much I love you. Don't take my sunshine away. <laughs> Stand up on your feet all across this place. Come on. Live for God's commendation, for God's affirmation. That's who you live for. And the Bible says, when you live to please God, He'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. That's what it says. Be affirmed by God. Hear him tonight as you submit to his will, as you obey him. Hear him say, well done, son. I want to sing it again. Worship team, come on up. We're going to close with that same song that we were going off on.
on, let's all sing this again. And listen, let it go deep in your heart. Let, let, let the song, the truth of the words that we sing, let it go deep in your heart. And then we'll close. Pastor Alex. perhaps living to please man and you realize that it's left you at a dead end the fear of man brings a curse the proverb says in the book of Jeremiah 17 those who fear man will be like a shrub planted that never knows where the stream is has no water around it is dead the fear of man brings a snare, says in the Proverbs. So what, what, do you, what do I do if I have that? Well, I had it in spades. And I don't know if I got any left in there, but I'm gonna throw myself in just in case. I believe wholesale, I've been delivered mostly of that. I'm not a, I'm not a yes man, I'm an obey God man. It took me quite a while to get there. I lived for the for the pat on the back, because I didn't get it when I was a kid and I had a wounded place and God healed me. He can heal you. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if it's, if it's you, you just reach up and get healed tonight and you repent. You do what? You ask God to forgive you for yielding and looking for the approval of man. And you reach up and you hear this song over your life that he says he loves you. You're his son, you're his daughter in whom he's well pleased. That's who you are, that's who I am. That's what that song's all about. Come on, God's gonna heal you right now. Sing Pastor Ox. Father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are. 
curses.
Sing in the spirit to him tonight.
our service we've gone a little bit over tonight sometimes to make a deposit it takes a little bit of time father thank you perhaps you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus oh I'm not talking about coming to church I'm talking about repenting of your sin and asking him to forgive you by believing that God sent his one and only son and likeness of human flesh fulfilling over 300 Old Testament scriptures that he would come born of a virgin Emmanuel God with us the Apostle Paul said if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord you shall be saved it says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish. But they'd have everlasting life. There is a place of perishing. That's what happens when you don't have Jesus. You perish here in the earth and then in the end also it's called the second death book of revelation talks about that you must have your name written in the lamb's book of life you do that by believing on jesus and repenting of your sin all across this place you want to get right with god for the first time or make a recommitment or maybe you just want to be assured of your salvation won't you pray this right out loud with me tonight? And all of those here, you, you're serving the Lord. Thank you. Affirm your faith. Make an affirmation of what you believe. Pray with me. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, fill. Touch. Heal. Break every chain. Break every bondage and every curse. Give your people a hunger for the Word of God, a hunger for the things of the Spirit, and for fellowship. Fill them. Holy Spirit, fill each and every one. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Empower your people right now to be able to live for you, to be a witness, to resist the devil, to resist temptation. And I thank you tonight that that man-pleasing spirit has been dealt a death blow by the truth of your word. This is my son.
This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Pray these things back when you start hearing anything that's contrary to it. You start hearing, oh, you're so stupid. Say, oh, no, no. God, you, 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 you love me. You're, you're my heavenly father. You, you, you approve of me. You've adopted me. You've grafted me. And you, you pray these things back to God. And it'll do something to your life. It'll change you. Take someone by the hand as we close tonight. Minister Chris, would you come up on the platform and, and just close us? Thank you, Jesus, for what you did tonight. We thank you, Father, that we are your children, that we've been grafted in the vine. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing we can say or do that would ever match your love or ever match what you've done for us. But God, tonight we want to be used by you. Thank you, Jesus that we are accepted in, that we are heirs, that we are children of God, that you stood in the gap. Thank you, Father, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight. This season's all about you. It's all about what you've done. We thank you, Father God, that we would be a light the change that has happened to us tonight, that as we go home and as we go back to our work, that we don't even have to say anything, that people would just know that we're different. They would know that we're changed. Not just some weekend warrior where we just show up to church and then we go back to living our normal quote-unquote life, but we thank you, God, for what you have done, a permanent change in our life. We bind that on our hearts tonight. We'd forever live for you, forever praise your name, forever give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So we worship you tonight. We lift our hands in surrender. We give you our all tonight. Use us, God. Be with us right now. Bless us, protect us, keep us safe wherever we go. Whatever we do, that people would rise up and call us blessed. We thank you, Lord God. We worship you right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.